Live at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside Treasure Island, it's Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. Friday, Cofield and company all over the West. Back in the Finley Toyota Studios. Damon hanging out at the set. I was almost going to say Manning the set, but we're Manning the set at Treasure Island. Lindsey Brown and Cofield here on the road in Fresno getting ready for UNLV football on the road. Lindsey, what's going on? Home away from home for you. Yeah, absolutely. I've never been here in the afternoon, so it's good to, to see the different crowds, the different swaths of uh, individuals that wander into one of my favorite sports books. That is the Golden Circle Sportsbook inside Treasure Island. So very excited to be on the show, and uh, thanks for the, the invite to co-host today. I haven't, I haven't done this before. I'm pumped. I know. It's nerve-wracking. It's nerve-wracking um, for I'm me. I'm a little nervous. Uh, <laughs> Damon, what's going on, buddy? Uh, nothing much. And the news of the car today, I picked up the license plate. So Monday, when I go pick up the car, I can legally drive it back. Okay. So here's here's the deal, Lindsay. Um, mm-hmm. Damon, you want me to explain it, or should you explain it? Damon's no, you got been it. You got it. Car for about ten days. Um, maybe someone came and towed it away. Um, oh. Yeah. Yeah. That's um, problematic. So, it so it's impounded right now? Like you don't have access to it and then you couldn't drive it away because there weren't any license plates on it? I think the term is repossessed. Ah, I see. <laughs> I see. <laughs> I I'm just looking for, for specifics here. Make, make sure we're painting an accurate picture. That sucks, though. I'm sorry that you're having to go through that. I know. You know, it's funny. Everyone on the show is not sorry that he's going through that. There's been oh. some, <laughs> some harsh criticism. Not what? by me. Not by me, but uh, Damon is being put through the ringer as he uh, collected the money to get his car. One, someone owed him money. Two, um, he may have a gambling issue, so he was gambling all along the way while he didn't have his car. So oh. it's, been a, it's been a sordid tale. But uh, we have oh, a bet goodness. now that Damon is supposed to pick it up Monday. If he doesn't have it at the show by Monday, then Damon will be paying us even more during these rough times. So I'll call him kick, him while, kick him while he's down? You're going to say he, uh, he needed to get money to go get the car out, and now you're going to take more away? What are you, a bank making a, an overdraft fee over there? Uh, we're going to take food. We're, we're going to take food. We're a big fan of one of the convenience stores, so we're going to get some convenience store food. But uh, did you hear what Damon said? To win the bet, he may just call in sick on Monday, and then we won't know if he has his car at work. So that's a good Fair move. Fair enough. Fair enough. Hey, I'm, I'm a sore loser. So... Uh. <laughs> Uh, have either one of you guys been to Fresno in the past? No. No, no, okay. no. no. Is it a nice – I hear it's a nice place, though. What's, what's, the scene, mm. what's the scene like? I've seen Lady Bird. That's the only thing I know about Fresno. <laughs> um, I don't know who you heard it was a nice place from. I think it's a nice place, but it is beat up upon uh, on our show and many people in Las Vegas. We'll call it one of the armpits of California. I don't agree with that. I've actually had a good time every time I've been here. Uh, Damon, you've never been here? Oh, no. I went the one time when I was doing the engineering for Learfield on a basketball oh, game right. in, in Fresno, and we had some difficulties. So if my experience is going to be encapsulated by anything, the Internet was a problem. Yeah. Uh, did you stay in downtown Fresno or out in Clovis? Do you remember? I stayed in the hotel with you guys. I was part of the team, baby. Yeah. Well, well there's, there's two different hotels they stay at. So one is in downtown, one is out kind of in the flatlands in Clovis. 
Ooh, it had the one with the Pizza Hut inside. Oh, VIP. God, their breadsticks are great. <laughs> <laughs> like, they're top-tier breadsticks. If you're going, like, Pizza Hut's right there. I don't like their pizza. I like their breadsticks. Then I, re- I like Papa John's, and then everybody else is kind of, like, oh boy. eighth place. That's how I roll. Uh-oh. She's already violating serious <laughs> rules here on Coco. Oh, I'm not getting invited back, and it's only been four uh, minutes we don't, on the no, show. You'll, you'll, you'll be invited back out of necessity, and, and we know you're good. Uh, <laughs> but one of the things we do not do on the show is give out free pops. Oh, oh everyone, boy. You, you pay, Lindsay. You pay Lotus Broadcasting if you want breadstick uh, promotion or you want PJ's promotion. Oh, That's man. the way it goes. I, I'm so bad at business, so I, I'm probably going to do that on accent, but I will do my best to, to follow the rules. Well, that's all right. I was just going to mention how much I like Southwest, so I break the rules as well. Um, I, I usually don't talk about travel, and, and it's not woes, because I find media people who talk about travel and their complaints really annoying, because I think they're pulling a do you know who I am. Mm-hmm. So I want to do the opposite. I want to shout out Southwest. I have good luck with Southwest. I like them. I, I like the herd seating. Uh, I like the ABC thing. There's some responsibility, some life responsibility if you're a moron, then you consistently get the C, and you deserve to sit in the middle seat. That's just the way it goes. Am I too harsh on that? No, I, I, I'm a Southwest frequenter myself. When I was playing uh, college hockey back in the day and I had to transport bags, it was the airline I always went with because the, you get the first two free. And yes. so I, I just you, – you go oh. with that. You try to get your, your little corners where you can cut uh, as many as you can. But I like the herd mentality too because then you can kind of pick and choose where, where you sit. Yes. Um, do you, when you're standing in the line, do you hide your number? Like if you, like today I had B38, which is a major defeat for me, but I feel like everyone keeps it real close to the vest. And I put it like up on my forehead with the phone. I'm like, here you go. Here you go. Uh, there was actually a guy today who was, who stood behind me. He was at B37. He's like, ah, one seat's not going to matter. I'm like, sir, it matters. (laughs) Get in front of me right now. And and then he was like, no, he's like, I'm good. I'm like, you're breaking down the whole system. Get in front of me now. Oh, that's fu- that's hilarious. That's inefficient at best. One of my uh, college roommates, one of her thesis things, because she was a math person, was the trying to find the most efficient way to, to load the plane, and she said Southwest graded the absolute lowest. But it depends on what type of person you are, because are you the person that wants to creep up and get on the plane early, or are you just going to get on when your boarding group is? Because I just stay true to where I am. I'm going to accept I, the consequences of my actions no matter what they are. I also go, I go uh, whether I have A1, which you can't get anymore, or – you know, be whatever. I never want to be a C because then that means I have to sit in the middle and I can't do that. I just yeah. walk off the plane. I don't want to be touched. Um, <laughs> no, there has to be there has to be some there has to be some rhyme or reason. But when I get on the plane, no matter where I am, I actually go right to the back of the plane to the last three rows. Pro because move. Because the bags aren't the bags aren't coming out. So what's the point of rushing and standing? They're they're not coming out in like four minutes. So it's not going to happen. Be patient. Yeah, I'm with you. I go to the back rows because those ones are usually the ones that haven't been taken up, so I am trying to avoid the middle seat, and I'm trying to get the window because the window seat is the is the pinnacle for me. I like to have a wall to lean on. I like to look out the window yes. and take pictures and pretend like I'm in a music video. Like It offers me a lot of daydreaming options, and so I always go in the back, and then my rationale, too, being as morbid as I am, I'm like, well, if this thing goes down, at least I probably have the best chance. You probably do have a good shot. Mm-hmm. Yes, you do have to think about your survival. Uh, the other bonus to the uh, one, longer flights I will sit at the window. Shorter flights I sit on the aisle. There's a science to it. The other mm-hmm. bonus now, when you sit on the window, if you're facing the sphere, uh, there are times it's got that, like, smiley face, and somehow the thing starts looking at you. Right? <laughs> like, we're making eye contact with technology. I'm staring straight to Black Mirror. I am uncomfortable. 
that thing is amazing, but also kind of scary. And it's kind of wild that it never gets turned off. Like, what if your apartment window is facing that and it's just constantly going? It's one thing to go to the hotel and stay there for a weekend and, like, take selfies with it. But, like, you live there. What if that's you? Yep. Oh, it's bright as hell, too, I'm sure, for yeah. uh, upper levels of the Palazzo and the Venetian. It's freaking blinding. So, for Demond, did you see the note I put in there from your buddy in Colorado, uh, Real Matt Smith? Yes, I did. So, what do you think of Matt Smith? He has a whole philosophy, and he was asking his audience, his followers, how do they keep a giant fat dude from sitting in the middle seat when you're on the aisle? Oh. I think you just What's do. the strategy? I don't know. I don't mind. I, I'm, I, I, I am the least complaining person when it comes to air travel. Hey, we're, we're, we're in the sky, guys. This is, this is the work of the gods. Who am I to complain? So, unless I want that extra, unless I want that extra leg room. But when it comes to the extra passengers, I don't care. I'm going to, I'm going to pull out that tray and I'm going to put my head down and go to sleep no matter who's there. Wait a second. You're, you, you're a front sleeper? Yeah. Same. What? I take out, I I flap down the tray. Put my head yeah. down like it's a desk in school. I'm out. All right. Well, I know what I'm going to get you for Christmas now. <laughs> the contraption. You've seen those like you've seen those pillows that lay yes. in front, and you can <laughs> yes. lean into the pillow. That thing's oh, going yeah. flat well, in two minutes. We do we do Christmas gifts on Cofield and Company. Generally, uh, Lindsay, I just buy them all headphones because they lose them every year, sure. or they just break the ones that Q put in there, and then Q's Practical. infuriated. So I try to I try to save them from themselves. But uh, in this case, a an airplane pillow that goes on the uh, the tray table. That's, I think that's a perfect gift for the mod now. Yeah, they're Beautiful. inflatable. They have, like, windows where you can put your arms through. It's genius. I can't sleep with neck pillows. It's never comfortable. And then you all of a sudden become a mouth breather in, like, one of the worst places. You see somebody posted up, mouth wide open, on the plane. It's the worst. Not a good uh, look. Yeah, I'm, I'm a, a massive snorer, but I, I throw oh, caution no. in the wind. I'm sure, I'm sure on a long flight, I am. people are just looking at me like, what? How fat is this guy? Get him a CPAP right now. <laughs> Why does he sound like that? Oh, it's... <laughs> Oh, it's on. It's on. So I got more on the travel. I got more on uh, – I got some stuff on Rideshare coming up a little later on. Exhilarating Sports Talk Radio on the way. But uh, Lindsay is down at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar. She's got prizes. She's down there tomorrow, too, at 9 a.m. for Throw mm-hmm. the Flag. But she's got prizes. They've got glasses, hats, T-shirts. So go on by. The parking in the back is free. The valet is free. You got 55-plus TVs in the joint. Uh, obviously, we got VGK just starting up here with the Nevada Day game, so we'll get you updates on that. When we come back, we're going to get ready for the college football weekend with our college football national insider, Michael Felder. You're listening to Cofield and Company, live at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside Treasure Island. Back here at Cofield and Company, one of our favorite spots of the week. It's Felder up on Substack. Michael Felder in the bleachers is with us. All right, i got to go back to last week first. I had, uh, had heard all this hype, and I watched the games about Drew Aller and that Penn State was going to break through here. What, what was that against Ohio State? I mean, what was it for both, both teams, right? Like, neither one of them looked that good. And so at the end of the day, what we're looking at are two teams that are, they seemed, at least in my eyes, pretty even. Like, they looked pretty normal and even. And obviously, if we if a call or two goes the other way, then we're looking at a a Penn State win. So I don't think this was a massive gap between them. I think what we're looking at is an Ohio State team that does have better players. I don't think they have a better quarterback. I don't think either one of these two teams has a quarterback that could compare to that, to even Trace McSorley, not to mention Justin (laughs) Fields or um, 
<laughs> CJ Stroud. So that's what we're dealing with right now. And at the end of the day, I to expand it out to the college football picture, I don't know that we have a great team this season. Well, I was actually going to jump to one of the teams we perceive as great. Um, after last week's game, do you think Michigan is probably 10 points better or more than Penn State and Ohio State? No, absolutely not. No, no way. Are you kidding me? You watch this team play? I, I watched it, and I tried to chart it, and it's – it's. I'll be honest. I really get juiced up, and you know this, Cofield. I get juiced up, like, charting plays and looking at, like, little things. And J.J. McCarthy – charting J.J. McCarthy's passing, passing is – it's boring. It's so boring. <laughs> It's so pedestrian. It's just, it's absolutely just boring. So, like, he's thrown, you know, a handful of passes over 20 yards. He doesn't take risks. They don't let him take risks. I don't think it's a him thing. I think it's a Michigan thing. And that's the big part that I'm looking at when when it comes to where this all fits. So, I got to go to the depths of college football first before we do our rise and get to the big games. I have to ask you, you have – Michigan State elements in your house. How is your significant other feeling about what is – I mean, you talk about dysfunction everywhere around the program. You look up at the game last week against Michigan, and there's a giant picture of Hitler on the scoreboard. What the – is going on? Yeah, she doesn't watch anymore. Okay. She's she saving herself. She's She literally she, – she, um, she scheduled a play date during that time. Because she was like, I'm not doing this. I want to make sure I'm not doing it. I don't even want to – I want to schedule something to save myself from being involved in this. And so it's just – it's really rough. Like the 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 the, the Hitler thing is the – that's the – that might be the lowest part of it um, because they got all these other elements with respect to Mel Tucker and what that's going on and are they going to get out from under this contract obviously going back a few years and in the Larry Nassar thing. And then you talk about on the field product and they're terrible. They're terrible on the field too. So it's one of those things where it's just like, she's like, you know what? Hands off. We know out here on the West coast, how good Utah is, but I feel like they don't get that attention nationally. Should anybody be surprised that they beat USC as they continuously do? No. Why would you be surprised by this? Like if you're surprised that Utah that Utah won, you're an idiot. Like this is a you problem. What has two thumbs and doesn't follow college football? You. So it's one of those things that's just like this team is good, and they did it with backups and backups and a backups backup and a converted safety and this whole like what are we doing? Like this team is good, and I know my guy Yogi Roth at Pac-12 Network. He said they're a biker gang. I've called them junkyard dogs, and you know that. Uh, like, this is a team full of guys, and, and I equate them to Alabama, where they are a team where football's supposed to hurt. The only goal for them is they make you hurt worse, make you quit first, and then we keep going. And that's what Utah is, and that's why I love – that's what I love about them. They're the – to me, they're the – listen, we always – what do they call – uh, 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 what do they call soccer? The beautiful game. They, they, Utah plays football in a beautiful way. The Alabama of the West. That should be the new marketing for Utah. <laughs> but I've got to ask. You mentioned they want, they make you want to quit. 
Is Caleb Williams going to quit and shut it down for the season? Or should he? I don't, I don't, I think he should. I don't think he will. And it's a, that's a really hard conversation to have, right? Because people are, then you get into this, this extra discussion of like, is he a quitter? Did he quit on his team? And by the way, you could have this conversation about Cam Rising too, right? Where he's a guy, we haven't seen him all year. Haven't seen Cam Rising not once this year. And so and you can say that like, he's not quite healthy yet. He's not ready to go. And for Caleb Williams, it could be like, he can get hurt. It might not, it's in his best interest to take a break, to not work, to worry about the combine, to worry about the NFL. But I think that um, Caleb is going to play. And realistically, for Lincoln Riley, I mean, if I'm Lincoln Riley, I'll cut him a check myself. Because <laughs> without Caleb Williams, what else do you got? Lincoln Riley did not do a good job in reshaping the defense and also going out and getting a DC. Um, I'm also very disappointed. You're, you're in the, the biz to win football games, but also educate the kids and prep them for their future. Yes. Uh, send a couple of kids out, led by Caleb Williams, after the game to speak to the media. Let's be big boys about this. And there's a lot of adversity in life, and sometimes you got to look at it right in the face. No, you, you got to listen. Sometimes you got to stare down the barrel and you got to see what smoke's coming out. And that's the reality. And I think the big thing for me with Lincoln Riley, I think the shine's off the apple. And, and was hey, I'm not going to compare it to Jimbo Fisher in Texas A&M, hmm. where you got, you're on the hook for 70 million. Ooh, boy. But with Lincoln Riley, I am starting to look at his NFL guys, right? Because when they send out that recruiting info, they send out all the, look at what I've done. Right. They literally are like, Baker Mayfield, there's not a lot of teams that want him in the NFL. Kyler Murray, okay, well, man, the Cardinals hate him. Yeah. And <laughs> He's going to practice. He's coming back. But when you get to Jalen Hurts, and he can use Jalen Hurts all you want, for sure, good, go for it. But the reality is, show me the other quarterbacks that Lincoln Riley coached that were squatting 700 pounds. Yeah. That's Bama built. So, uh, I was going to say, Michael Felder's with us. It's Substack. Uh, it's Felder at Substack is where you want to go for the newsletters. Um, one last thing. Uh, well, yeah. it's scary times right now with Halloween coming up for Lincoln Riley. So I'll use the cheesy segue to get to your home life and Halloween. And I saw, are you in a candy panic right now? You, do you Are you actually afraid of getting egged if you don't give out the right candy? How crazy is Charlotte? I mean, it's not Charlotte crazy. It's just kids are crazy. I, I'm a, I was an egg guy. We used to egg. Yeah. We used to egg houses all the time. We used to TP. You didn't. Hang on. Both of you guys. <laughs> Have you ever TP'd a house? No, I think I am too young to do that. I was an egger, but not a TPer. I don't. I, I yeah. I don't know how people had the time. I'm lame. I was a good kid. Uh, I didn't have a sort of a, a curiosity or a wicked side. I do now, uh, but no, I never egged or TP'd. <laughs> I was also a mailboxer. Oh, That's really? more fun than anything. Okay. All right. Are you talking about mailboxing, like driving and hanging out the side of the car with a baseball bat? Yeah. What? <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. Same. Same. We did that. We also Christmas treed and Christmas treeing oh. for Cofield. If you don't know what that is, that is the day that everyone puts all their Christmas trees out. We took my friend's mom's SUV and we drove it around. We roped up all the Christmas trees and we just put them in one yard. 
Ah, oh, that is kind of <laughs> awesome. Just don't put it in my yard. <laughs> so what's the, what's the candy philosophy? How do you stay safe? I um listen, you just get. I don't do full size candy bars. I can't afford it. No, none of us but can. I, what I do, I go I go Skittles, Starburst, Snickers, Twix, nice. and then I also do Reese's and Kit Kat, and I make sure they've got plenty of them. Yep, best and of the best. And you have as much as you need. Best of the best. All right, let's hit some games to uh, close out. Right. By, by the way, did you have a side in uh, Oregon and Utah? Oregon's actually a pretty healthy favorite, almost a touchdown at Utah. I think Utah's going to win. They're playing in. They're playing in Rice Eccles, and that's a problem. Uh, Clemson at NC State is nearly a ten point favorite. We, you and I have been kind of, and, and a lot of people have been pounding Clemson about the decline here. Can I tell you, we just had some magic a little while ago. We talked to Kim Mulkey, the LSU mm-hmm. women's coach, and yeah. I asked her about embracing NIL in the transfer portal, and she threw shade without naming him. She actually threw shade at Dabo Sweeney. I love it. <laughs> she, she's like, oh, she's like, I'm up there in age, but I'm no dummy. I've made the adjustment. Unlike some, listen, football, I, unlike some football coaches, like, whoa, okay. I love that you did the voice. By the way, I love it. <laughs> well, I she is, I, she is. I the meme of her in the white and the pink stamping on the ground. I love it. Uh, but no, with when it, with respect to Clemson, they're a team that doesn't know who they are. And if you don't know who you are, you're never going to get to where you should be. They already lost a couple games. Uh, they're two and three in the ACC, if I'm not mistaken. And those those losses help. Those will hurt. Yeah. They can't get to the ACC championship game like that. And so for them, the reality is when they play NC State, an NC State team that whew, I don't know what we are, we're going to get from them week to week either. I listen. If I'm a better, you guys are in Vegas. If I'm a better, I wouldn't touch this game with a ten foot pole. Because I have no idea which teams are going to show up. Last one, Mike. Let's uh, get a pick. Uh, what do you think is going to happen in the uh, cocktail party with Florida and Georgia? Can the Gators pull off the upset? No, okay. absolutely not. <laughs> What's the number on this game? It's 14 and a half. I think Georgia probably wins this game by 17. Really? Yeah. I think they're going to stomp a mud hole in these guys behind. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see it. I want to watch the game. But goodness gracious, these I hope Florida is ready for a cold tub because Georgia's gonna hit them. We talked about it with Utah. Georgia's another one of those teams. They're gonna hit you until it hurts, and they're gonna dare you to get up because if you get up, they're gonna hit you some more. He's part of the Learfield family. You can hear him on stadium, and of course he's got his award winning. I'm giving you an award. Award winning Substack <laughs> column. It's it comes out multiple times a week. It's Felder. Go sign up for it. Mike, we appreciate it. Dude, it's always fantastic. You guys take it easy. Hang in at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside Treasure Island. It's Cofield and Company. All right, rolling on Cofield in Fresno. And uh, Lindsey Brown has helped us out today. She's hanging out at uh, the home of Throw the Flag, our 9 a.m. show on Saturdays. That is inside the Treasure Island Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar. I know that... uh, with all this football talk on a Friday that she's also keeping an eye on the Golden Knights. So looks like a pretty good start for VGK so far, right? Yeah, a couple of goals early on. Pavel Dorofiev puts it uh, away in front of the net as he was prone to do towards the end of last season. He's really good at releasing tight into that crease. And then uh, Shea Theodore put a puck through about three different people, uh, but William Carlson got a little piece of it. But Ryan Donato just scored uh, at one to cut the lead in half, so it's 2-1 to one mm. VGK right now. So there's a threat. There's a threat, but there's a lot of hockey left. 
Were you worried about this game before the Knights? I mean, obviously, they've gotten off to a monster start. Could be, uh, this be a trap spot? How dangerous are the Blackhawks? Every game is a trap spot. Every day is an audition, Steve. You know, hockey is weird, <laughs> and, and things just bounce everywhere. It's the reason why so many players are so superstitious is because of the fluidity of so many things that are outside of their control. But, man, uh, with that top line with Ivan Barbashev, Jack Eichel, and uh, Jonathan Marsh, so it doesn't feel like this team is ever out of it, right? And so even when they're, they're down like they were the other night in the third period, there's always some belief for sure down on, on the bench, but in this fan base that no lead is too insurmountable and that this team is going to give itself a chance to win every night. And so who, and those goal totals aren't going to be up very high anyways with these goaltenders in this defensive core. Your expectations for the Knights this year, last year – uh, what they have for total points last year, remember? Oh, God, no. I just know that they won the division and that they got off to a great start that put them in a position to withstand a late-season surge from both the L.A. Kings and the Edmonton Oilers. Like, everybody was talking about them last year. Like, look how good they're playing. VGK was playing with them with pace, and so they were able to maintain that. But anything short of a, of a division title I, I think is technically a disappointment. Now, is it an essential thing? Oh, it's 2-2. Two to two. That, you leave Connor Bedard what? wide open in the slot, a one-timer, that's a big boy goal for a very small man who is 18 years old and already taking this league by storm. Oh, boy. Bedard. Yeah, Eric gets 2-2. Two to two. See, it gets it gets away from you quickly, Steve. And so, um, they know they, they know how to weather the storm. <laughs> yeah, last year they scored 111 points, just edged out Edmonton. I'm like, what do you think this year? 116? How good are they going to be? And then within, like, two minutes, the Blackhawks fire right back and tie the game. Yeah, stack them up for sure, especially when we're seeing such a, a crappy start from Edmonton who are really looking for answers right now. I think they've only won one or two games, and Connor McDavid's out for the next couple weeks, and they can't stop a beach ball right now. And so it's about stocking those points for when that um, inevitable dry spell hits uh, and, and being able to have that little bit of cushion. So maybe they'll, they'll add to it tonight, but they're going to lose a game eventually. They're not going to go 82-0. It's not going to happen. Let's do a giveaway here. We've got the uh... – Porta Subs weekly football tailgate pack that we give away every Friday. 364-1100, caller 7. Damon's going to hook you up. It's a six-foot classic sub for Porta Subs. You also qualify to win a Yeti cooler. 364-1100, caller 7. It's presented by Finley Volvo Las Vegas. And, of course, Porta Subs, your neighborhood sandwich shop. Uh, and, again, you qualify for a Yeti cooler. Caller 7, 364-1100, 364-1100. So we'll get back to the Knights here in a couple minutes. As uh, Lindsay just told you, 2-2. Two, two with about four and a half left in the first. Where are you on the Taylor Swift, Kelsey <laughs> yeah. story, and, and Taylor popping up at all the stadiums and now popping up on the road? Well, I think their PR is great uh, because they have me convinced that this is a real thing, and it might very well be a real thing based off of how they're acting, but I always try to keep things uh, or take things with a grain of salt because I, I listen to a lot of celeb gossip and, and blind items where it's kind of the story behind the story, and so there's a lot of people that have seen this or they're kind of look at this as a, as a PR relationship, but I mean, he's playing a lot better. Her tour couldn't be more successful. She's just about to embark on that European leg, so I don't know how it's going to go from there. The distance will test their love, but uh, I'm all for it. I, I think it helps uh, grow the game a little bit, get some eyeballs that maybe wouldn't have wandered over to it. But uh, I, I don't really understand the outrage that we're hearing from a, a lot of different people, a lot of different factions. Well, the, the biggest faction is on social media, and generally it's anonymous guys. Yeah. So I have my take on this. What's your take on male rage against Taylor Swift? I, do we have on, three, you have another three hours I mean, this, this is like what I basically minored in in college I, I, I think that men 
uh, have a lot of issues, and so do women, but men, men have the ability to kind of push things off into women, their own anger, their own spite of, that their life isn't going anywhere, and so they're going to tear people down. And, and the people that are where they shouldn't be, you know, at the front of the stage talking, like we saw a ton of blowback uh, on the aces and, and their parade because they were swearing too much, they were being too loud. That's all just policing women. Uh, and loud women are, are, are just as bad, if not worse, than women that are talking at all. That's how I see it. I, I, you have it in the prep here, the incels. Like, that's the bit. Like, I, I deal with those guys. I, I've debated against those guys. That's who I cut my teeth against in college. And you just, there's a lot. Of, I, I always say the male ego is undefeated, but it can be humbled. Oh, I, I love the way this is developed. First of all, we got to go back to the front end. I mean, what about love? <laughs> what so about simple? it? <laughs> These two people could really be moving towards something special, a real union. It doesn't have to be a, a business relationship. No. This can be real. No, and the thing is, too, is that um, there's this idea of what's going to get you a woman, right? There's the, there's this macho mentality that if you're if you're big, you're strong, you treat her like crap, like she's going she's gonna to want to hang around with you, but... What happens when uh, when somebody wants to open the door for you? What happens when they want to hold your hand in public? Like Taylor's never dated someone who like pedestal. They almost always pedestalize her and then they try to hide her away because they're afraid of success. Travis Kelsey's a superstar in his own right, so I don't think he's threatened by her, and he's not trying to impress the boys. That's what the incelies are trying to do. They're trying to impress the boys. They're trying to be like, look what I'm doing, look what I'm seeing. That's how I get my good feelings because I don't have that many good feelings in my life. When you, if you just treated people right and you found some true companionship in your life, you wouldn't even need the opinions of the boys, as toxic as they are. Damon, I want one 30-second promo to run for Cofield & Company. Just one. That's in our rotation, that right there. That's it. Just one. That's it? I made it? None, none of the bitterness on Cofield & Company. None of the cynicism. Yes. That's it right there. That's it. Love. She's made it. Well, I, I, I like the take. So if I guess I guess if I didn't like the actually right. if I didn't like the take, I'd want I'd want a promo from that. But I I, I agree with you. Um, let's let's take a break here. I don't know if we'll bring up Taylor Swift and Kelsey to Cam Warrell, but uh, he's a pretty smart guy. He's a Fresno sideline reporter. He played in the NFL, was a safety in the NFL, and uh, he's a Fresno guy through and through. And we got a gigantic game here with UNLV. Hard to believe, right? Six and one against Fresno, six and one. That's tomorrow night, uh, national game uh, in front of about 40,000. Looking forward to it. And Cam will give us the skinny on Fresno. Now back to Cofield and Company, live at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside Treasure Island. Well, you know, I knew back in August we'd be having a conversation with Cam Morrell, who's one of the voices of Fresno State football, played for the team as a safety, played in the NFL. I didn't think that both teams would be 6-1. and one. But, Cam, here we are, buddy. What's going on? <laughs> Man, I don't, I don't know if anybody thought that these two teams would be 6-1, and one, and I bet you could have made a lot of money out in Vegas if, if that bet were possible. Well, I know you in the, in the preseason were very excited about the possibilities with Fresno. So are you actually surprised by a 6-1 and one start? Has it overwhelmed you a little bit? Uh, you know, I, I was really impressed with the way that their offense played early in the season. I thought it was going to take them until about midseason to really start to click. But Mikey Keene stepped in. They went to Purdue. That You know, they scored over 30, and they haven't really slowed down. Wyoming was really the only game that they really didn't click in all phases. Uh, so, I, I, six and one. I, you know, I thought that Purdue game would be tough. Obviously, that Wyoming game was tough. Air, uh, uh, 
uh, Arizona State, you never know what they were going to be. They're playing really good football now. Uh, but but six and one was you know if everything kind of goes right, I could see the dogs at six and one, and you know they're kind of right where I think everybody expected them to be at this point in the season. Why didn't it click in the Wyoming game? Wyoming's good, man. They just they they, they play so solid. They they really are fundamentally sound defensively. Uh, they do a good job with getting pressure with four guys and, and, you know, the one area that this Fresno State offense has struggled with this year is protecting in obvious passing situations against just a four-man rush where you drop seven and play coverage and speed up the quarterback with that four-man rush. And Wyoming did a really good job of that. I mean, they really played their best, I mean, offensive half that I've seen since Josh Allen was there, and Craig Bull kind of said something to the same effect. It was just a, a, a perfect storm for Wyoming, and, and Fresno State couldn't really run the ball. They were in third and long, and Wyoming did a good job of really getting after Mikey Keene, knocked him out of the game, and Logan Fife came in, threw a touchdown, was about to lead him you know, on the final drive to try to come back, and you know, uh, Wyoming picked the ball off. But it was a, it was a solid solid, physical, fundamentally sound defensive performance from Wyoming, and they were really, really good in the red zone. When Fresno State got in there, only scored one touchdown, had to kick field goals. So I want to talk a lot more Fresno coming up, but uh, obviously the angle here on the 6-1 and one surprise is UNLV. <laughs> and, you know, the funny thing about the story with UNLV is if I had told you in the preseason, hey, uh, UNLV would be 6-1, and one, you probably would have said, well, Doug Brumfield must be unbelievable. He must be a – a candidate for a player of the year, but they've actually done this yep. with the backup quarterback. So that's one of the more incredible storylines. And there's a lot here. I don't know how much you've had a chance to watch UNLV, but what do you think of the six and one start? I've, I've watched a little bit of tape on them. I mean, the first thing that jumps off to me on both sides of the football is they are physical. They come at you, whether it's in the run game or defensively. And, you know, the last couple of years, these games between Fresno State and UNLV, they've been extremely competitive, one-score games. Um, you know, Jay Kaner had to pull some theatrics last year to, to get away, get out of Vegas with the win. But this, this UNLV team, man, they're physical. They play hard. They play with effort. They do so many things defensively that can really – uh, I think confuse a quarterback or confuse a play caller, but you know they. I, I thought they were trending in the right direction last year. I know that they had a five-game skid, and that really probably cost Marcus Arroyo his job. But man, could not be more impressed with the job Barry Odom has done in year one coming in. And and this team has an identity now, and they are physical. They are going to punch you in the mouth from the opening kickoff till the end of the game, and. It's been it's been really impressive. The tape that I've watched, man, they, they they do not back down from any physical challenge at all. When it comes to UNLV, you said punching them right in the mouth. They have one of the best run games in the country. How's Fresno been defending the run this year? I mean, they've been pretty good. They're pretty solid uh, defensively. They were a little bit banged up against Utah State. Utah State's a tough offense to cover, man. They totally spread the field. They, they move at a tempo. They have some really talented receivers. Uh, against the run, they've been pretty good, pretty good. Purdue, I mean, they had a couple of goal line stands against a really big physical Purdue offensive line. Purdue's not the greatest team in the Big Ten, but they're big and physical. Fresno State bowed up and, and were, were able to play toe-to-toe with them. Wyoming, a really good run team. Fresno State 
kind of limited their ability to have success on the ground. You know, interestingly enough, the play-action game was was more of a weapon for them. I mean, Fresno State's good. They're physical. If Dean Clark and Lavelle Bailey and Cam Brocka, three starters who were banged up against Utah State, they all played, but they weren't close to 100%. If all three of those guys are on the field, you know, this is a defense that can defend run pass. They don't have to load the box to defend the run. Kevin Coyle does a good job of getting his safeties involved in the run game without committing them to the to the line of scrimmage. You know, they're 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 a solid defense, and uh, it's gonna it's gonna be a really good matchup on Saturday night to see how UNLV tries to attack this defense and how Kevin Coyle answers. You know, what is a really physical rushing attack with uh, this team that they decide to run on Saturday night? Well, and you guys have a lot of questions at quarterback, as you already mentioned. And so do you anticipate more of a focus on the running game from your side with Malik Sherrod and Elijah Gilliam? Is there a guy that's more stylistically fitting to to, to punish UNLV, or is it more of a uh, 1A, 1B, and then we just go with the vibe from there? You know, Elijah Gilliam really popped off. Uh, Malik Sherrod got a little ankle against Purdue in the opening game, and Elijah Gilliam came in, and they didn't miss a beat. He looked really good. Um, but Malik Sherrod is finally healthy, and against Utah State, he looked like the guy that was installed as the starter week one. Explosive, I mean, he's very quick, very explosive, just not very big. Um, so I, I, they do a good job of, of getting him in space. Uh, he's a nice runner. I mean, he does run in between the tackles. He's very slippery, uses his hips well to slide off of tackles. Um, so he'll be the guy. He'll be the guy probably 75% of the snaps. Elijah Gilliam's a little bit bigger. He's a little bit more physical. They will bring him in uh, to some short yardage situations. Uh, they did finally get the run game going against Utah State. They struggled to establish a run. And I think part of that was Malik Sharab was a little bit banged up. Uh, and he looked healthy. He performed really well against Utah State. But uh, this is a pretty balanced offense. You know, they, they, they like to get in manageable situations. They try to avoid, like everybody, right? They try to avoid those third and long, obvious passing situations. And they struggled with that really up to that Utah State game uh, a couple weeks ago. If they're able to establish a little bit of a run, it makes things so much easier for Mikey Keene or Logan Fife, whoever is going to be the guy uh, Saturday night, but they, you know, they, they kind of get off the bus wanting to establish the run game to open up the pass game. And in, in games, you know, they struggled against Nevada a little bit, really establishing a run game and, and it affected their ability to put points on the scoreboard. So, uh, hopefully a, a healthy Malik Sherrod for the second game in a row means that they're able to run the ball like they did a couple weeks ago. Okay, I want to ask you a little bit larger question about the safety position because we hear all the time about the learning curve that cornerbacks face when they go from college to the NFL, but every position has to have its unique uh, aspects in learning how to compete at that next level. So what are some of those challenges that young players face in making that jump in the safety position? I mean, you know, if you're talking high school to college, especially high school to college coming into Kevin Coyle's system, I mean, Kevin Coyle runs, you know, he was a defensive coordinator for the Miami Dolphins, and guys were complaining that his, his, his defense was too complex. So he has a lot of things that he mm. does, very multiple. So, yeah, that transition of, of not just understanding what you're supposed to do or what check you need to make when a guy moves, but then playing without thinking, right? It takes, you know, it's taken Cam Brock a half a season to get comfortable coming from Fresno City College to Fresno State. 
and not thinking and just reacting and playing. When you go from college to the NFL, you know, it's, it's just another layer of now we have probably twice as many calls. All those calls have checks that a safety is usually responsible for making. And you can't make a mistake. If you make a mistake, the defense breaks down. So there's a ton of pressure on young safeties making that next step because there's so much information that you have to process in, I mean, really, one to two seconds. You have to know exactly what to do, put yourself and your teammates in position, make those adjustments, and then actually go and defend the best athletes on planet Earth. So, you know, it's a, it's a tall task, and there there is it does take some time just to get, unless you're special, unless you're Ed Reed and you just come in and you look like you belong from day one, there's always a little bit of an adjustment because, you know, the speed of the game, the athletes you're covering, the complexity of the systems that you're running, it, it, it ratchets up every level that you step up. Ken Morrell, uh, one of the voices of Fresno State played at Fresno State, is on Cofield and Company, ESPN Las Vegas. i got about 90 seconds left, so I'm going to go rapid fire here. Uh, will Mikey Keene play? Yes, I think Mikey Keene will start. I, that's not official. I haven't been to practice this week. I watched a little bit. They were both getting reps, but yes, Mikey Keene will play Saturday. Crowd over, under 35,000? Over, over 35. It should be Ooh. about 37, 38. Hello. Who is the most dangerous receiver in this uh, Fresno wide receiver core? Ooh, man. Uh, You know, Jalen Gill is probably the most dangerous because he can can hurt you in so many different ways. He can run it. He can catch it. He's really good after the catch. He's a return guy as well. Jalen Moss is a redshirt freshman, really solid receiver. And then Eric Brooks in the slot. All of those guys can hurt you. But if you you, you put me to the test, it's going to be Jalen Gill because he can hurt you in a variety of ways. All right, and uh, last one. Do you hang out in the Brew District? I'm staying downtown. The team is staying downtown. I went over there for lunch today. I like that little area. That's pretty cool. Yeah, they've done. A, you know, they put a lot of money into downtown. It was, you know, a little bit dilapidated. They put a lot of money down there, and some of those breweries that have popped up everywhere are starting to pop up downtown Fresno. So there's a really cool vibe downtown right now in Fresno, which there hasn't been for a long, long time. Cam, you're the best. We'll see you out at the stadium tomorrow, okay? Thank you so much. Awesome. Appreciate you guys. There he is. Cam Worrell playing the NFL with the Bears, the Jets, the Dolphins, and uh, we can build on this on the way back. I am, I am a big fan of backing uh, downtrodden cities by a rep standpoint, and I, like I said, I think Fresno is on the comeback. I think there's cool areas here. Uh, listen, everywhere in Vegas isn't freaking Mm. utopia either so uh some of the downtown areas we're still trying to fight those or fight to get those back